We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. The baseball season is go, go, go. It's nonstop, relentless for every night, six straight months, and then hopefully another month in October. You also have work, friends, family, and a million other things going on. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. I mean, the mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Is there anything better than opening up your refrigerator after a long day, seeing that icy cold Coors Light can or bottle in your fridge? The answer is no, there's nothing better. That's why when it's time to chill, you choose Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So that's why when you want to hit reset, reach for a beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show, episode 301. We made it to the other side. Scott, what's up? Yeah, other side of 300. Now it's all smooth sailing, right? We have a beautiful season in front of us. Sunday morning, ready to go. Pitchers and catchers, grown-ass men throwing baseballs to each other. Oh, we got a lot of that What could be better? What could be better? Happy spring training. Happy long weekend. Yeah, I forgot. See, when you work from home, long weekends almost don't exist. 
they uh, like you, everybody's like, yeah, holiday on Monday. I'm like, oh, okay. I, I have no idea. I don't. I go to my. I go down the hall to my office, and there was no memo saying that Monday was a holiday. So I completely forgot about that. Yeah, I work from home occasionally, and I find I, I think I would struggle with the the Monday through Friday working from home because there's no separation. No, there's none. I mean, I'm I'm usually. See, people think that it's like you work less because you're at home and it's such a good thing. In fact, I probably work double because I'm in here so often that, you know, at six o'clock or seven o'clock, if I have an hour or two that, you know, I could watch TV or do some work, I usually will go up to the office and do some work. So it happens. uh, You immerse yourself in a lot of the things that you're doing. And and you're right. There's there's a it's a fuzzy separation. Yeah, the the commute was see, see like I I had this conversation with somebody and like what is the ideal commute and I think it's like twenty minutes twenty minutes is just enough to have a separation from home and work but not enough to make you want to kill yourself as you're either sitting in traffic or or sitting on the subway. Yeah, no, I mean I look at people when when they look at me and say, oh man, I die for for working at home. Sometimes I'm like, man, I would love a little bit of a commute <laughs> where I could just hang out, listen to uh, you know a podcast or you know collect my thoughts and re- uh, wind down from the day and then talk to you know other people during the day. And I know people don't like you know they'll get sick of other people in their office, but when you're talking to your dog and your uh, you know people on the when I'm talking to you and the dog and a couple other people through the phone, whoa, whoa. you know some, sometimes you want some interaction. Well, pretty soon Kemp will start talking back. Yeah, yeah, it's gonna be. It, I mean, I'll be <laughs> learning my ABCs and my numbers, and you know, eventually all the elementary school education stuff. So I'll be brushing up on all the knowledge. So I, I, I can tell how your weekend's been going. My weekend has been uh, quite interesting. Yesterday, uh, did some nice engagement photos in Central Park. So you can oh. imagine how that went. So tell me about that. I would like to. I would like it to know honestly, how that wasn't, went. It, it wasn't that bad. I mean, it's on the surface, it sounds terrible. I'm sure. Uh, we wanted to do. We wanted to just get a few photos for like the the wedding website and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But we didn't want to do like an extended photo shoot because I don't know if you've noticed. I'm sure you have. Those things are friggin' expensive, um, even for like an engagement shoot. So we just did a half hour little quick session. Uh, some some freelance photographer. We found her online and she uh, showed up in the park and just took our pictures. But it's the most awkward thing when you're posing and trying. None of the stuff that she had us do is natural. Like walk down the the path, holding each other's hands, gazing into each other's eyes. Like (laughs) no one in their right mind does that. You would be you would be committed for doing that if you walked around like that everyday life. Yeah, no, it's awkward. It definitely is awkward. We uh, we did one that was pretty short as well and uh yeah you know it's just an uncomfortable thing but you just got to put your head down and do it and yeah and, uh, and smile it. and uh and then you're you're finished so you know all, all these things there are there are there are boxes that you have to check as the other person getting married and and this is one of them yeah we went out drinking afterwards so. there you go see that's a, that's a nice concession <laughs> nice little saturday yeah nice little saturday um, so why don't you tell people quickly, just remind people about the events. We'll plow through those through those fast because, um, we've got quite a bit to touch on this episode. Yep. Sure. The, uh, so the spring training event, obviously everybody knows, uh, cause you already have your tickets. I'm going to be sending out those tickets, the, uh, transferring every, all of the, uh, all the tickets to everybody's accounts, uh, this week probably. So you should be getting that and you'll look for an email from me. Um, so if you have not gotten anything by the end of the week, shoot me an email because that means either, it went to spam or you're not getting it some reason. So, you know, uh, shoot me an email if you have not gotten it by Friday. Um, uh, and then BP crew events during the regular season, we got five of them coming up 
and everything is on the fan shop. Uh, we have one in April. Uh, April 13th is the first one. Definitely want to get your tickets for that one. And then we got the uh, the Boston series in May, Houston series in June, then July versus Colorado, and August 31st against the Oakland Athletics. So those are all a lot of fun. Make sure you go to the website, uh, the fan shop, and get your tickets. And remember, we're doing the captain deal where if you captain a group of 10 or more, you get your ticket for free. If you uh, captain a group of five or more, you get your ticket for half off. So rally your friends, get everybody together and uh, and join the BP crew because it's a, it's a ton of fun. And then chapters, you're getting an email probably today uh, for from chapters from Colleen, who is going to be working with uh, the crew and doing a lot of the, uh, the back end stuff, kind of working with us in tandem and helping out. She's been a huge help so far. I'm really looking forward to getting her more involved too. Um, she's pumped up. We're all pumped up about this. So look for an email about the chapters. If you have not emailed us about, you know, where you are in the country, what city you are in and that you want to get involved with uh, the chapter there, shoot us an email info at bronxpinstripes.com and we'll get you on the mailing list. So I think we, we had some ground, something groundbreaking happen this week. We had something the Yankees did that pretty much every Yankees fan agreed was a good thing. And that was extending Severino for four years, $40 million with a potential option for a fifth year. I did not find one person talking shit about this deal. And you know, especially on social media, how difficult that is. Well, yeah, because I think there's one, we, we all understand what happens in this arbitration process. And we saw it, you know, with, uh, with what's his face from uh, the Indians, Bauer, Trevor Bauer. He yeah. there was a whole a couple articles written about that. How he went through character assassination. The Indians right. went in there and used, you know, listen. Bauer rubs people the wrong way. He's he's very outgoing on Twitter. He says some some possibly inappropriate things or just things you don't want. Maybe one of your starting pitchers to say, but they used that against him um, and and started to attack him for things that he's doing off of the mound. I mean, he's very good on the mound. But they were attacking him for things off the mound. Yeah. And I mean, he's definitely become a polarizing character. I think he's become actually pretty funny. Um, I've grown an appreciation for the guy because he just doesn't give an F, uh, which which I do appreciate. The um, So look, I think they avoided arbitration. They basically bought out the arbitration years and then gave him, uh, there's a team option now for free agency when he is uh, eligible for free agency. So it's a good thing. What, what, what this does for Severino and people are like, some people I saw, not not that they were upset about it by any means, but they were like, oh, well, it's not that big of a deal. They just bought out the arbitration years. Well, there's a lot of uncertainty happening around baseball right now. And the fact that there there have been contentious arbitration hearings in the past with Batances and ownership, you know, I think this is a big deal because it's saying to your guy that, hey, you know, we believe in you. We are going to give you that money. We're not, we're not going to go through this process. We're going to give you guaranteed money right now. And that's what Severino saw, guaranteed money. $40 million guaranteed next four years, put it in the pocket. Mom, did you, what was the, there was a conversation. Yeah, she said, did, did you, you win? win? And he said, no, I got 40 million. No, but I got $40 million in my pocket. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that's when you're looking at the, at the guaranteed money and the fact that he's got that in his pocket right now in his family's pocket, that's a big deal. So, you know, I'm happy for them and, and he's happy with it. And that's the greatest thing. The team is happy. The player is happy and the fans are happy. Totally. And also, I mean, there's potentially we don't know what's going to happen after the current CBA is up after 2021. But at the very least, he banks himself twenty six million dollars, even if there is a work stoppage. So that's also insurance um, for Severino. And it's something that um, I saw, I believe, Jeff Passan tweeting about that. It's interesting that in 2020 and 2021, 
he there's higher than average salaries than you see in a lot of these kinds of extensions. But then in 2022, it's a little bit more modest of, of, of a salary. It's basically $10 million, $11 million for each of those three years. But if you're Severino and you're, and you're Severino's agent saying, listen, we don't know what's going to happen in 20, after 2021. Let's get some security now. Um, I think this is a great deal for both sides because the Yankees, basically the Yankee, what the Yankees insured themselves here is that they're winning an arbitration every year, except I guess this year, right? Yes, that that is well. They're also they also have a um, a known quantity now, so they they know what Severino is going to be against the luxury tax number. Uh, could we just call it a cap because that's exactly what it's playing like, right? Well, the Yankees pl- are well, it's no, playing I mean, like a cap. I mean, it's, it's not, playing like it's a cap. Not, it's not though. strict, but it's playing like a cap that well, they have to work within. Because that's what they're doing. But they're, I mean, o- but they're over the cap. I now. know they're they're over it now, but they, it's still a number that they're looking at. It's it's a it's essentially the the same thing where it's a target that uh, an organization is trying to hit or stay above or stay below. Either it's a way, soft cap. It's, it's a, a soft, soft cap. cap. Thank you. the The fact that they know now where he is, and it's still a reasonably, um, you know, it's a it's a good price, and they know where where he is. <laughs> it's against a great the price. price. It's a great price. Um, the 2023, even you're looking at the the, the first year of free agency with an option of. 15 million and you look at some of the AAVs some of these guys that are, are come out there signing for another Patrick Corbin just got yes so it's it's a tremendous deal now I think one of we're seeing in in baseball across baseball and again with this we don't know what's going to happen with the new CBA but you are seeing guys trying to renegotiate you know with a, a year or two left on their contract so this is very much could be a play for Severino if he has some good years hey look we've outplayed this contract now let's renegotiate you see that all the time so I wouldn't be surprised if he was like, let me get the guaranteed money so I know I'm having it here. If we outperform and I do really, really, really well, we could go back to the, to the, uh, to the table and see if we can make a deal. Well, he's, he's still going to be 29 years old. Even if the Yankees pick up that option, he's only 29 years old after that. Yeah, and that's great. And so prime of your career still, prime of your, you know, maybe a, a year or two after if you're looking at the numbers by, by age, but still in a very good spot to hit free agency. I think that what we saw with Severino, what we saw with Aaron Nola, um, that we're going to see more of this, especially because of the uncertainty in the free agent market. These guys are not going to risk going to free agency and not getting the money they think they're worth. They'd rather take their money earlier on. I think this might be a new trend. Buster only tweeted that too, that there's a there's a... Uh, a sort of a, a run on he he equated it to a run on a bank because the players are just taking the money when it's there for them. I mean, it's Which, a great for the, for the teams. These owners are loving this for Steinbrenner and Cashman to say they can get a top 10 pitcher in MLB right now for $40 million over the next four years. That's a friggin' steal. No, no, no doubt about it. And, and that's, that's, that's what's beautiful for the ownership. Um, but again, these guys getting that guaranteed money, that's what they want. They, they see those guaranteed dollars and, it's just it's very attractive and hard to pass up sometimes, and I think that's we've seen that with uh, some of the younger guys. We also see that with like some of these some of these contracts where they sign um, longer terms, like Trout signed and uh, you know an earlier extension to get some guaranteed money. They're dipping in the pockets early to get that money so that they can uh, you know take care of their family, invest it in a smart way, and then you know when when it's time or when they've severely outplayed a contract, they'll just worry about getting more money later because usually it's there. Uh, David Price was asked in uh, Red Sox spring training because you remember David Price had an opt out after last year mm-hmm. and he didn't do it. And they asked, why didn't you opt out? And he said, have you looked at the current free agent market? 
Well, he's why, making why, a stupid amount of money uh, too. Like right. he never would have gotten close to what he was. But what he was in the making. past, we've seen guys who were still guaranteed a stupid amount of money. Sabathia opted out. He was yes. guaranteed a stupid amount of money, and he still opted out and got an extra year of stupid right. amounts of money. But you're, like you said, the market conditions are very, that was very different. Very different where we are today. So, uh, and, and David Price, you know, while we 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 saw what he was doing last season uh, in the playoffs, and then into this year, and he was just having a really horrible time with the playoffs and just a, a bad rap in Boston. Like you knew he was going to take it, and it was sticking it to the Red Sox. And then he had, and then he went out and had a uh, you know outperformed it. And did well in the playoffs, which uh, which kind of made it feel a little bit better for them. Unfortunately, that that, still, really, that pissed me off. Well, he still did not pitch well against the Yankees, so I still feel like we have that sliver over David Price. Is that in his one start in the playoffs against the Yankees, he got shelled? I just I really thought we were going to get one of those moments where you know the Red Sox were able to unload all of those horrible contracts to the Dodgers and they were they got rid of they they basically got out free they the Dodgers gave them a get out of jail free card what you're talking about with the with Adrian Carl Gonzalez Crawford and Adrian yeah. Gonzalez and wasn't Beckett in that deal too there were a bunch of guys that they just unloaded onto the Dodgers was, it was, was un- he still in that i thought he was maybe, maybe Maybe I'm off on that, but I thought he was. Either way, they unloaded a ton of money and a ton of contracts, and I thought they were going to get stuck with Price. And yeah, they're still stuck with Price. Still stuck with Price. Putting, I still don't well. think they're going to be happy paying Price thirty million dollars. No, they're. I mean, it's and it's he's got a he's got a significant amount of time left on there. So, um, God, still, Josh I'm still Beckett, hoping it blows up. Josh Beckett was one of the biggest a holes to ever walk the face of the earth. Yeah, yeah, and he was an he was an a hole for. For two teams against the Yankees. My, Miami, uh, when they beat him in 03, and then the Red Sox. Yeah, God. Don't. Why'd you bring Josh Beckett up? <laughs> um, but I also love the Severino deal because we were worried that Randy Levine was going to stick his big fat foot in his big fat face and say something stupid about our ace. And now hopefully he uh, will keep his trap shut. Yeah, I think everybody is going to say nice things about Severino now, and uh, we're all gonna we're all gonna talk beautifully about him. And there's gonna be zero character assassination because now he's locked up. I saw Sweeney tweet something. Uh, he said, "Over the last 25 years, the Yankees have done significant extensions prior to first crack at free agency, and they're seven for seven: Tino, Jeter, Mariano, Pettit, Posada, Cano, and Gardner. And Severino will be the eighth. All right. So pitchers and catchers reported and." Um, there was a few takeaways. We got all the classic pictures, right? All the cliche pictures we thought we were going to get of uh, the grown men throwing baseballs, but the cameras being 400 feet away. I just love how these writers tweet out these videos. It's, you can't even see if that's, if that's uh, some trainer we've never heard of or if it's Aaron Judge throwing the ball. That's how far away they are. Yeah, except, did you see what Hoke did? Hoke MacGyvered. I have a lot of respect for Brian Hoke. I had, respect. I had a lot of respect for him before I saw this. Now I have even more respect for the man binoculars with the cell phone to get a zoomed in picture. That's next level. Yeah. How do you think he was planning that all off season? I mean, that's, that's next level stuff. You don't just come up with that. That's you have to plan that when on uh, that's great stuff ordered some stuff on Amazon so he could be ready for spring training. I mean, just, I mean, just binoculars. That's, that's beautiful. That's literally taking something that's that you're, you're that has nothing to do with your camera and using it to your advantage to get a zoomed-in picture of men throwing the ball to each other. Why Love wouldn't it. you just get a strong zoom camera? Because it's not so you can't connect it to social immediately. It's not. It's not the same. He's he's using. They don't what have he cameras had. now where you can immediately send like the pictures. He's not a to photographer. He's not going to go out there and why, why would he have to go out and spend all that money on an insane camera when he could just get a pair of binoculars, use a cell phone, and MacGyver it. 
He's got all that book money coming in. He can afford it. He can afford it. I think he did a beautiful job. (laughs) That's something that we would we would create. And I love it. That's exactly why I I have so much respect for that. It's like, oh, there is this gadget you could just buy that does this, but no, let's buy these other things that are unrelated and try and make it ourselves. Well, you have binoculars because you have to see what's happening. You have a cell phone because you have to communicate with the outside world and the public who wants to know about everything. Let's combine them. Let's not bring another thing with me. And let's just make a beautiful photo that's zoomed in so I can actually see the person who's throwing the ball. I, I mean, in, I think it was genius. You know, the guys I love are the guys that sit in the bleachers with like their uh, tank top on and binoculars. Like the, the old men who just sit there. Maybe they're listening to John and Susan on the radio yeah. and then they, they bust out the binoculars so they can see in like, oh, that, that, that pitch was an inch outside. The sum doesn't know what he's doing. Yeah, that's those guys are uh, those guys are also next level trying to see what's going on, paying for that cheap ticket, but getting a great view. Uh, some other takeaways just from like the first couple of days that guys were reporting. Um, you see Bird didn't sign that guy's dog. I mean, least surprising d- news out of camp so far. He's I, I, I don't know what to do here. And then it just didn't sign it, man. Come on. Sign the damn dog. <laughs> nah, he's a cat guy. Sign the uh, dog. Severino trimmed down, said he lost 10 to 15 pounds. And he hopes that will keep him fresh throughout the season. He said uh, fatigue was one of the biggest issues he credited um fatigue being one of the reasons why he struggled in the second half yeah i mean this was something that we kind of called out with the fact that when you start getting when you get fatigued your mechanics break down and and you can't repeat that same delivery over and over and over again and your your motion becomes you know slightly different and if you have a slight hitch or a little bit of uh, an irregularity in the way that you're throwing the ball then yeah, you're gonna you're gonna be sloppier, and you're not gonna hit your spots, and you're, you're, then your confidence goes down. And I think a lot of that just was a trickle down effect. Um, and you know, this was something that that uh, we read about. I forget who it was who interviewed Rothschild, but he was also talking about the comparison to when Verlander was um, was in his second or third year and had that really bad uh, middle part of the season. And it was a very similar, like the timing was almost identical to when Severino started breaking down. So I feel like you see these guys are not only learning the game, but they're learning their bodies and their best way to condition themselves through an entire season while, you know, trying to pitch at such a high level. So I think that's what we're going to see. We're going to start seeing more of that evolution on him taking care of himself better so that he can keep, you know, stay in that zone and keep his body in that, in that zone so that all of these mechanics and the, and the, the pitching motions can be duplicated and the muscle memory can actually start working better because your body is agreeing with you. Well, I think so. Uh, Severino seems like a max effort guy, and especially in the first half. I mean, he had a, he had a complete game in Houston. He he had a lot of performances where he was pitching into the eighth inning. Do you think maybe the Yankees need to manage him a little bit more in the first half just to keep him fresher, or maybe Severino needs to understand I need to I'm in this for the long haul. I can't be pitching every game in May like it's Game Seven of of the playoffs. No, I don't think you could take that mentality and the way that a guy throws away from him at any point. I think that if well, he's the Red gonna, Sox did it with Chris Sale, yeah, but he's also a lot older and he's been breaking down. I mean, he's had injury issues. So when you're looking at what Severino's doing at this point, you don't want to take a younger guy and say, "Hey, pitch differently," because you're trying to you know max out the the length of your uh, season. You got to figure out how to do how to pitch like you pitch and keep your body in a point that is uh, that is best for you to keep going. I mean, I think that's just a, it's just a learning thing that he has to figure out with himself, because if you start changing the way that you pitch like that, uh, at this point, at this point in his career, I think you could start messing with bad things, but I, but like, you know, to, to his credit and the Yankees realized that 
and he realized that he was fatigued. There was a fatigue that set in in the in the middle of the season, and that's why you know the season started getting away from him a little bit. And he realized that, identified it, and did something about it. Getting uh, you know on a new with a nutritionist and and working on you know what he's taking in and out of his body and losing some weight. I saw that he was cutting out sugar. Like there's a lot of little things that he's doing to keep himself in a better uh, position to pitch deeper into the season at an, uh, a very high level. I think well, that's where it is. It's just interesting because Severino, by no means, did we think he was heavy last year i mean he looked he looked trim he looked looked like he was in very good shape but he still figured i need to lose 10 pounds that might help me throughout the season you look at the the flip side sabathia the guy's hovering around 300 pounds and that's where he pitches well deep into the season he uses his weight as as almost like a fuel source yeah and i mean i don't think it necessarily means that he like got 10 pounds skinnier i think that the the weight got transformed you know when whether it's um muscle or do you understand how weight works i do but at the same time you have to also it depends where it is it depends where that but it's still 10 pounds lighter yes i understand that uh if he's not getting skinnier and weaker that because that's kind of what it sounds like oh i lost 10 pounds i'm skinnier and weaker but that's not that's not the case a lot of times you could be stronger and and reposition and redistribute that weight so that it's in better places and still get slimmer, but well, yeah, he cut stronger out, and it more. Sounds fit. like he cut out sugar and carbs. If you're yeah. going to cut out sugar and carbs, you're just going to lose ten pounds. You're going to be just, more lean. Yeah, your muscle yeah, will be just, more it's lean. It's going to happen, and that will be more effective for him. So, look, I, he'll figure it out. That's the thing. Like, I, I like the fact that he's he's trying to figure it out and understanding that it was a fatigue thing. And hey, I'm going to do something about it. Uh, Montgomery talked and said that he hopes he's optimistic that he will pitch in the Bronx um, at some point this season. Um, he said in, he, he said his goal was in the next four months. Yeah. And that's good, right? That's kind of where we saw him middle of the he, season. That's, that's, yeah. that's right around the same time when we, we thought he was going to be, and the way that the, the rotation is lining up, like that's going to be, um, that's going to be great to have him coming around that time because it's, it's we don't know what we'll to be. predict though, because we don't know how he's going to react from the surgery. Once he starts throwing more regularly, he had the surgery last June yeah. for a pitcher. It's a year. It's a year recovery. So we're looking at June and then ramp up time, probably going to get some minor league uh, appearances. So I think second half is, is the most realistic for Montgomery. And again, that's, that's a good thing for, I think, the way that the, the season plays out too. I mean, the Yankees seem to have a, you know, a, a good depth going into the season with the, uh, with the pitching staff. I'm knocking on wood right now. But having a guy like Montgomery come back who you know can um, you know, eat innings, pitch well, deeper into a into a game hopefully you know he comes back like that um it's it's like adding another uh you know solid pitcher at the uh, at the deadline it's yeah but that's we, a good thing you can't bank on that though no but you can also you know that it's going to be at some point in the second half you can't bank on it but it's also it's it's a you're adding another guy to the mix that's that's the point like you're not banking on that you shouldn't have to bank on that but you're adding a guy to the mix and we'll see where he is at that point He's not mentioned in the depth pieces because Boone talked to the media and we have like, I, you know, it's the first week of spring training when Boone can do a 30 minute press conference. And I have like 45 bullet points from, from the one press conference. Right. But uh, he talked, um, they asked him, do you feel confident in the rotation depth? And he said, we love what we did this off season. And then we do feel we have depth in the system. And he named Herman, Loisica, Chance Adams, Michael King, and Luis Sessa did not mention Jordan Montgomery. Well, I think that he's everybody knows kind of what he is as a, a quantity and and he's not going to bank on an injured player right now. He's just not going to do that. 
but the timetable says that he's going to come back around this time and we'll see where he is. If he, if he is uh, you know, a similar guy in the sense that he's strong and feels good, it's a huge, that, that could be a huge addition, but it also could be a thing where he's, you know, just working through things in the minor leagues and is ready to, to come up if, uh, you know, if there was an uncertainty that, that, that came up with our rotation. And as we know how the season goes, that usually does happen. And probably before that, that point. So it's just more arms. That is a good thing. I was listening to the, the press conference um, at work. And the first question that Boone was asked was, do you feel that this team as currently constituted is better than last year? And he said, I hope so. I just hate those questions because what is Boone going to say? He's not no, going to say no. We're worse. Yeah, we're no, worse. we're worse. Okay, thanks. Thanks for your time. Let's wrap it up here. I'll see you next spring training. Like, he can only say one thing. It's just such a dumb intro question. Like, ask something specific. Let's get some information here. Yeah, I mean, and then talking about, like, can we perform it? Like, you know, of, of course, we. the goal is to outperform what you did the year before. No shit. Like, <laughs> That's the we, goal for the Yankees, that. the Padres, the we Royals, the Indians, everybody. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, Boom was uh, kind of looking at some of these questions and, and, yeah, just giving his 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 cliche generic answer because there's really nothing else to say. Exactly. <laughs> yes, he, yes, we want to be better. Yes. Yes, I yeah. think our guys did well. Yeah, they're all coming in in great shape. Proud of them. They're working hard. This is what we're saying. This is what I'm going to say about everything. So keep Everyone is in the best shape of their life. This is the best shape they've ever been in. I'm very happy with everybody. I have close relationships with everybody now. I've I've had dinner with every single person in the lineup. Well, he did go good. down to the Dominican Republic and and uh, spend some time with Sanchez and his family. I yes, thought that did. was an interesting takeaway. So that was that was something that you know it was public when when he did it. We all knew that he was going down there and and meeting with them. And the fact that he went down and had there was there's some more details that have come out about their relationship. I think and and Sanchez has talked about it more too. And it's clear that. Boone is making that concerted effort with these guys to, to be involved with their development, be involved um, as a as a mentor and just a guy that's on your side to, to get you to a better point in your career. And, you know, obviously Sanchez had a ton of struggles last year. And I think that Boone took a a, a very, you know, forward thinking approach. Well, no, Passive approach. No, a forward thinking approach right now, getting in front of it and talking to the guy and saying, hey, look, you had struggles. Let's move forward. You could be better from those struggles. And I think that's that's what we've been hearing uh, you know, about their conversations and, and how he does want to be better. And he knows that he had these struggles and he's learning from them and he's going to be better. And like all the good things are coming out of these conversations. So it's a good thing that they're they're doing that. And, and Boone is taking, you know, interest in the family and going down there and meeting with his wife. Like, I think all that stuff is extremely positive. I thought you meant last year during the season, he took a passive approach to Gary Sanchez, where we saw Girardi take more of an aggressive approach. And that was one of the things that Girardi was criticized for, is that he and Sanchez didn't get along. He was too hard on Gary Sanchez. But then you look at the the box score, and Sanchez was producing. So, right. okay, you, you don't like me, but you're putting up you're putting up all-star numbers. Like, I mean, we've seen that in the past here? with Gary Sanchez when he got in trouble uh, when he was going to go to the Futures game. I think he was in uh, Tampa or Trenton at that time, and the Yankees held him back from the – from. Uh, I'm sorry, it was Arizona fall, uh, fall ball. They held him back from that. And it was the Futures game too, I think. They held him back, and it was kind of a, a demotion. Like, it, it made news, the fact that Gary Sanchez didn't go. And it was because of some of those, you know, some of those, uh, like, quote, attitude issues with him. And he got disciplined, essentially. He got and disciplined what happened also after in that? Trenton. What he, happened he after that? He in Trenton, too. But, but he – but he looked at that and and did well afterwards. It's like when adversity hits this guy, 
he kind of looks it in the face and, and, and does better. But how many times he, does he adver- adversity have to hit and he has to get reprimanded before he finally just makes a change for the good? Like, if you're telling me every year and a half they got to they gotta have a sit down with him? Well, I don't think last year was more was, was the same type of, of setback. I think last year we saw a guy that was frustrated uh, and, and injured and just not healthy and just not not in a good place. And I think that's what, you know, kind of escalated and snowballed into, into more things struggles defensively, offensively. So I don't think it was, it was, you know, internally, I don't think they think it was an attitude issue. I think a lot of fans might think that because of what we saw. Um, but I don't think internally they think that I just think they saw a guy that struggled was not at full peak ability because of his health. And, you know, just, they want to make sure his head's in the right place coming back from, from that type of season. And again, all signs are pointing towards optimism with him. Uh, they asked Boone about Tulowitzki and he sort of skated around the question. He said, we feel confident in the workouts we put him through that he is healthy and will be able to contribute. Um, didn't really mention that, uh, did not really lead on how much they're going to push him. Um, but he's only going to be playing shortstop. Only playing shortstop, but he did say something that I thought was interesting. He said that the injury issues that plagued him in the past are now behind him. That is something that, that he did say about the injuries. He's not going to come out and say, yeah, he's going to be, you know, playing this many games. We expect this from him. Like, no, they're, they're trying to keep the, the, the glass, you know, within manage. It's not half full. It's not half empty. They're just, they're trying to like give some, some uh, unclear expectations, I think to fans so that we don't, you know, expect Troy Tulowitzki uh, coming out there. We're, we're expecting, uh, hopefully a physically able guy to go out there and perform to the best of his abilities. But the fact that he said that he's over the injuries that plagued him and, and they're confident in that, like that's positive, I guess let's just, let's prove it now. But again, <laughs> what's he going to say? He's not right. going to say, Oh yeah, we have two Lewitsky in spring training. Like, I don't know. That guy's ankles are totally shot. I hope yeah. he can just stand up. He's not going to say that. He's yeah. going to say we're confident in, in the tests we put him through and that his body is healthy and he can be the player. Uh, he could be a, a, a positive player. Like For a guy that's know. walking around on 55-year-old heels, he looks really good. <laughs> he looks really good. Those, those glass heels. Between Bird's glass foot and his glass heels. Man. Um, Boone was very vague on the dinner that they had with Manny Machado. He literally just said it was a good dinner and just like left it hanging out there. Yes. I mean, what, again, you're not going to speculate on a player that's not signed, uh, especially when you have a guy that's already, you know, playing that position at a high level that uh, offensively, at least, uh, but defensively, you know, you're, you're getting behind your guy at third base, Andujar, who again, they have good things to say about. They feel good about the way he's worked on his defense in the off season. Uh, the fact that he has, you know, come in with, uh, with, with the mentality to improve on that side of the ball. Look, I, I think that he's going to say all the right things because he's got to make sure that he's taking care of his clubhouse too. And right now, in his clubhouse, and really there's no one out there saying that it's going to be anything different really, is going to be Miguel Andujar. So why are we talking about this other guy who's not signed, probably not going to be on our team? Well, why are we talking? You know you know why they're talking still, about it. Still, why are we talking about it still? How about that? Is that, is that better? Because <clears throat> nobody wants to talk about it. Because uh, because they also haven't signed yet, and I I saw some more rumors that maybe they're not going to even sign until mid March, which I think is just ridiculous. You're signing a guy like Harper or Machado, guys who you uh, when you're signing is going to be for two hundred plus million dollars, ideally there for the next decade on your on your team, and you're going to bring them in a couple weeks before the season starts. What if they uh, you know what if this is like a Le'Veon Bell situation where they're just like I'm not I'm not I'm not playing, I'm not going to play. 
or I'm going to wait until the All-Star break and then sign with somebody who's going to win as a, as a, a contender uh, and can win the World Series, and then you're going to sign me to an insane amount of money for half of a year, and then I'm going to do this all again next year. Or the all, all of the free agents uh, just band together and start their own team, like, like a replacements league. Yeah, they would have to uh, get some approval for that. They'll also be playing against each other in a lot of inner squad, but um, you know, reworking the the schedules that would be that would be a tough task. That would be bold. That would be a bold move by those guys if they could pull that off. But they could just stream it online, and there'd be no blackout restrictions. That would be interesting. That would <laughs> buck against the entire system. For all we're getting screwed. Let's just do it ourselves. They're going to become the. Uh, What's the new football league? The the uh, AAL or yeah, the, AAFL? Yeah. Let's because the American ratings and it was football. all over social media. Like they did they you had, watch any of that? I saw clips. I didn't watch any of it live. I mean, I'm not going to watch. I don't want to watch bad football personally. But they they uh, they had a good launch, you know. So maybe they'll do something like that. Maybe it'll be like a, a beer league baseball. Everyone was uh, talking about because they were just so football hungry. It was like the week after the Super Bowl. But have they played again? I don't know. I haven't heard anything about it other than that first weekend. I really have no idea. I know that they have a good social media department with a bunch of designers in there that, uh, in fact, Danny, who's the intern that worked with us last year, did a lot of the wallpapers, is doing some some freelance work with them, too. So I see a lot of their stuff all over social. But, um, you know, maybe they'll maybe they'll they'll band together and do something like that. Why don't they have a crossover league? Like in what way? Oh, you like, mean football? Like baseball? Machado and Harper and, and like Trent Richardson and, and all the players in uh, in that American AAFL. What is it called, by the way? I'm going to look um, it up. Can uh, band together and play. Yeah, I don't want to see that either. Uh, first base. So I found this comment Alliance, Alliance, Alliance yeah. of America Football League. Uh, he was asked about first base, and he said Voight definitely comes in with a leg up as the starter, but he uh, still believes in Bird. They still really want Greg Bird to be a thing. He Even with what Luke Voigt did last September and in the playoffs, are only saying he has a leg up on Bird. I mean, I guess I, I understand that. They're not going to anoint him the starter at this point because there's still a lot that could happen. But damn, if all that Voigt did and all the nothingness that Bird did last year, if all that gets him is a leg up, that's... Pretty telling. You don't see this as a uh, behind-the-scenes shot talking about a leg up. I mean, it's a nice little, nice little uh, subtle shot there to Greg Bird's foot. No, they, if he had said he's got one foot ahead of of Bird, then maybe that would have been a shot. Yeah. Look, I mean, they're not going to anoint him because of the short sample size. That's the reason. And Bird's been in the system forever. Everybody was loving him forever. And yes, they do want him to be a thing because he's a left-handed bat and the Yankees need a left-handed bat. So yeah, they, they do want him to be a thing. They would love it if he came, come out there and outperformed Voight, as long as both of them were performing. As long as it wasn't like Voight's hitting 200 and Bird's hitting 220 and, you know, not producing. And we're talking about, uh, you know, a marginally better, but still not good player. They want him to beat him out. I think if they're, they have an, uh, a relatively equal spring, I think Bird wins the job. Well, I don't think initially. I think they would give it to Voight still. But it's going to be a platoon. That's what it's going to be. Uh, some injury updates. So Didi's doing well. They hope to have him back for the bulk of the season. Um, that's good news. Unfortunate news on Michael King. That was one of the guys that Boone mentioned um, as a depth piece. He's shut down for three weeks for a stress, uh, stress reaction in his elbow. And if he is not uh, feeling recovered after those three weeks, an MRI would be the next step. 
Yeah, and you don't want to see anything having to do with an elbow, obviously, and a pitcher and a young guy like that. So uh, it's concerning to me that that he's you know coming up with a, an elbow injury already. Um, hopefully, it's just a, a little bit of tendonitis or something like that 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 you know a little rest can solve it because that's definitely a guy that you know I think we've all been circling to keep an eye out and and to see how he's going to uh, to pitch because he came up through the system so fast and so yeah, I jinxed him on the podcast last last week if you don't remember. Yeah, um, I mentioned him in the mailbag question as the dark horse candidate to make an impact, and then boom, two days later, shut down. Yep. Hopefully, it's not, hopefully it's not much. the 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 fact that Didi is coming back, like I, I again, they talking about bulk of the season. What does that mean? That's vague, but that 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 could be eighty two games. <laughs> the right? bulk of the season seems like more than half. I mean, that's that's when right, I right, but it I could just bulk, be one more than half. The fact is, is that I think he's doing very well. I think he's progressing extremely well. And, you know, I've said this all along, man. Didi is one of those guys who just outperforms what he's an overachiever in every aspect of his life. And I expect him to be back sooner than we all think. Like, I I really do think he's going to be back before, you know, a a lot of the projections, whether it's beginning of June or I could see him coming back pretty quick. And in the most stunning news to come out of the press conference, Jacoby Ellsbury is not starting out uh, in spring training. He's still doing rehab in Arizona. Brian Cashman said he's doing six to eight hours of physical therapy come every on. day. That's that's such... a fifty-hour week if you're doing it seven days. He's doing fifty hours of physical therapy. No, that is the not. most amazing thing I've ever heard. He's not. That's that's he's not. He I mean, is what does not that mean? Doing six to eight hours of physical therapy. I don't know what that means. Maybe that's sitting on, you know, it, it could be at, sitting in a hot tub for all we know. Like he's at Lake Havasu with his with his feet up and just like rotating his ankle. You know what I mean? Like that's his physical therapy with an umbrella drink. He's not doing fasciitis. baseball things. Nobody could see this. This is all very very behind closed doors, vague in in Phoenix. What? Why is he out there? Is, he, maybe, that's maybe where he's, he lives. That's where he lives in the off season. He's not in uh, the Pacific Northwest. Look, what else is out in Phoenix? National League teams. That's what's out there. That's what I'm thinking. <laughs> I'm thinking that there's going to be a National League team that somehow he latches onto and is injured for them. Right, yeah, because they really like guys that can't even get to spring training because their plantar fasciitis is too bad. It's going to swell up on the flight yeah. to Tampa. That's why he's not He's not Right. There. He's working out at the Giants' facilities. That's what's happening. Or he's at Lake Havasu on a jet ski rotating his ankle six to eight hours a day uh Danny Farquhar so we haven't really mentioned him yet um a lot of people having eyes on him could he make the team could he be that sort of Adam Warren uh long long man in relief out of the bullpen role he's kind of a feel-good story he's a feel-good story I mean the guy coming back from it was a brain hemorrhage I mean there's you know the fact that he's playing baseball and and is healthy and you could tell that he's just over the moon for for being healthy and playing baseball again at this point. Um, the fact that he's back with the Yankees, it is a very good story. It's it's a guy that you know has has talent and can come in and uh, and and play a, like an Adam Warren type role. But there's just not yeah. very many spots in the in the Yankees you know whole roster, let alone their bullpen. But it's that a guy that be, you I just mean, want to see healthy and, and and hopefully can contribute. But the fact that he's on the on the field doing baseball things like that's awesome. But that at uh, that last man in the bullpen role that can yeah. give you some some innings is definitely an open spot. Yeah, but Luis Sessa doesn't have any options. What are you talking about? There's no more options, bro. Luis Sessa, yeah. Um, he looks again. at every single one of our our stories on on Instagram. Every one of them. Hey, come on the podcast, Luis. I'm, 
I'm a, you know, I'm a fan of his. Uh, let's talk about CC. So he officially announced his retire or he will retire at the end of the 2019 season. He had a press conference on Saturday. They also said he will be slow played to start, to start spring training because of the heart issues and his knee surgery in the off season. Um, we've sort of mentioned CC and how much obviously he's done for the organization. And, and we had a mailbag last week about, you know, what, what's our favorite Sabathia moments. We mentioned a couple of them, but I think, you know, it, we're going to get a little bit of a retirement tour. He's not going to get the presence from every every team some, like Jeter or Mariano got. But it will be a, a storyline for the Yankees this season is let's do it for CeCe. It's his last year. It, I mean, it absolutely is. I think it's one of those one of those good internal things to happen because he is a leader on this team. He's a, a you know, a max effort guy. Obviously, no one ever would question what CC has done and, and, you know, brought to the team as far as sacrifice, as far as, you know, ability, as far as max effort, like the guy is just, you know, a team guy all the way. So I think these guys are really are going to rally behind him and, and that will actually be a storyline. They want him to go out as a King on top. They want him to do that because they love him. And I think that goes a long way. I really do. I think that that can build and, and bond a, a clubhouse even more um, I love it. I think it's a it's a really really good thing to have with this team. And if they do win the World Series, maybe him and Amber are going to have another World Series baby. That's right. You know, little uh, another. I don't know if you want another kid. kid. That poor kid. Like th- that is a hilarious quote by Amber uh, for everybody except that kid. I don't know. I think I like it if that kid. Like, okay, that's no, pretty sweet. You do not want to hear your parents tell you that you are a blank baby. Well, guess what? You know what's happening unless you unless you don't know how babies are No, it's are one born. of those things don't don't ask, don't tell, just don't even do the math. He doesn't want to figure it out. Nah, nah. I I look Ignore it. I would be very happy if I was a World Series baby. I'd be very happy. <laughs> I would be like, "Yeah, I'm a, I was a World Series baby. My my dad was the man. My mom's awesome, and I'm a World Series baby." So, <laughs> that's it. I came out of a championship. So, uh We've talked just in vague terms, like the Sabathia contract, the mega contract they gave him was 100% worth it. You agree? Yeah. yeah. Those well, are one of those ones that, that worked out. Yeah. Not very and, many of them. And that's just using the eye test, using what we know. They won a championship. Sabathia was the ace on that staff in 2009. He's been a clubhouse leader. He's reinvented himself. I mean, think about back in 2015. He's coming off back-to-back seasons in which he struggled, and he was going to rehab for alcoholism. I think when we were doing that podcast after 2015, we were saying, that's it for CC. Like, I, I'd be shocked if he even pitches again. And here we are in 2019 talking about him being the number five starter and still contributing. But I did a breakdown of his contract, and the numbers also back it up that he has been worth it for the Yankees. So they have paid him uh, from 20, 2009 to 2018 $215.855 million. And he has produced a 29.7 war over that time. That is $7.26 million per war. That is right in line with what the average free agent is worth on the open market between those times, which is between 6 and $9 million. So the contract was worth it from a dollars and cents standpoint. Yeah, and then, you know, just from, from obviously a production standpoint too, it was, it was beautiful. This is one of those things when you look at long-term deals and you want to find some of those deals that actually work out for both the player and the team and everything, everybody involved. And this is one of them. I mean, CC has been, you know, I think when we saw him come over, 
and and you know before he came over pitched for Milwaukee everybody kind of understood and realized what kind of a guy he was and I think you know it was a known quantity in, in the league but I think he really kind of made that known to the general public and every fan who didn't watch him on a daily basis what he did when he was with Milwaukee and how he was so selfless in the in the pursuit of a World Series title knowing damn well that he was coming up for free agency didn't really have you know, a lot of, uh, you didn't have to do that for Milwaukee. It's not like pitch every three days for a month. He he (laughs) owed the Milwaukee Brewers absolutely nothing. And it's not like there was a history there. He did it because he was on the team at the moment. He saw an opportunity to go after a world series and that was his number one goal. And, And he put his body on the line, his free agency on the line, his money on the line, you know, that he's done numerous times now and, uh, and showed what kind of, what kind of guy he is, what kind of teammate he is and what kind of player he is. So, um, he's just an all around, uh, exceptional teammate and, and just one of those guys that I think uh, should be anointed. So hundred um, percent. I'm sure his agent was in his ear at that time saying, you know, you don't have to oh, do this. This is not a right. smart move. Right. And it, it, it turned out to be a great move for him. Yeah, it really did. Yeah. Because he was true I mean, to himself. Because he, stay, he stayed healthy, but then yes. he, he, um, he did something that every fan around baseball, no matter what team you root for respected. Absolutely. He stayed true to himself. Um, who was it? Jose Reyes, right? Who pulled himself out of the game to win the batting title with the Mets. Like, you <laughs> but can, that's you, happened across baseball like numerous times. But that one was was pretty public. It was pretty like square in your face, obvious. Yeah, there are things that that you know are 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 played to for baseball, and like they'll pull people out or they won't give them as many to to get some records. But the fact that CC said, "I don't really care. Like, I know I'm going to get paid, um, and I know what's coming up. But my body be damned, I'm going to go out there and do my job." <laughs> And I mean, maybe he, um, I remember back in 2009, remember he got off to a little bit of a rocky start and some people thought maybe the miles on his arm at the end of 2008 were, were contributing to those struggles and maybe they were, but he certainly, certainly rebounded from there. Yeah. It could have been, you know, one of those more short term things because he pitched an insane amount at the very end of the season. A solid month pitching every on three days rest. Yeah. It was amazing. It was, it was. And that's, and I think one of those things like, yeah, you're, you're a little worried when you sign a guy like that after what he did. But at the same time, you're like, damn right. We just got this guy who, who puts his, uh, you know, puts everything out there. And as a fan, that's, that's all you can ask for. In reality, it was probably four days rest. I'm probably exaggerating. It was probably four days rest, right? I thought it was two days rest. <laughs> he pitched back to, he pitched every day in the month. He pitched September. every single day. As he a pitched Milwaukee a double Brewer. header. All, yeah. all 18 innings. The, it's, the dude is a machine. <laughs> that story uh, will get told way better in 10, 15, 20, right. Every years. Every, every yeah. decade, it's going to say he's going to pitch on one shorter day's rest. Absolutely. As it should. <clears throat> uh, let's talk about the lineup. So the last takeaway from the Boone press conference, he said that Hicks was in the, quote, leadoff mix, but he didn't uh, tinker a lot with ideas this winter for the lineup. And last week, we had a mailbag question asking about where Aaron Judge should hit. Um if you should hit two, if you should hit three, I said I would hit judge three and move Stanton to number two, because that might get him some more protection. And he also had, um, went on a tear in Miami when he was hitting number two, I did some more analysis. on. I did some reading on this topic and it, that's really a sort of a baseball cliche that, Oh, bat a guy number two, because he's going to get protection from the number three hitter. You can get him going. Like those are all baseball cliches that really don't, um, have, data to back it up it's true and and i think everybody it's fun to talk about it's a fun topic to talk about but when you start looking at the data and all these 
I mean, you put all the data together uh, like you had in here when you're looking over 162 games, especially with this with this Yankees team. I mean, I'm looking at certain things and I see, you know, the way data is put, produced. You know, there are there are holes in, in in anything. You could find holes in it, but when you look at what the Yankees did last year and the fact that they had a a solid uh, hitter pretty much up and down, like there's a lot of variation that could be to could be could be done to this lineup to get to a, a similar place. It's just not as clear because there's not such a huge drop off when you get to the bottom. Right. And obviously there's so many variables, right? Um that go into it. Like is Gary Sanchez struggling? Is uh is this player dealing with fatigue? It, it, does he have a stomach virus? Like there's so many different things from day to day that managers have to tinker with. It's not just what does the computer spit out. Right. Um, and you know, it's still fun to talk about, like, don't get me wrong. I love talking about the lineup. I think it's a fun thing to talk about whether you're right or wrong. It's just one of those things that I think all of us have been tinkering with and, and playing manager for our entire lives. It's and the it's, easiest thing that in bullpen management is the easiest thing to play. Yes, but the lineup, manager the lineup, it just has like a special place in all of our hearts. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's just fun to put out a lineup and, and to sign <laughs> on a lineup card and to do it. And, and by, by adding, and everybody has a different take on, on the way it should be, whether it's a righty lefty thing or where you, where you should put your power hitters, where you want your speed. If there is speed, like it's, it, I think it's different and it tells more about the person and how they would, would draw up their ideal lineup. And then they're making, you know, they're those assessments. They're, they're just basically projecting it onto whatever the current players are on the Yankees team. Uh, and, and that's, that's what why, I want to talk about. Yeah. yeah. And that's why I like having judge, you know, I, I mean, I agree with you having him at the three spot. Like th- that's, that's where I think he should be. I don't want Stanton at the two spot, but again, these are all semantics when we're talking about this. When you when you play 162 games or however many they play, if it's 150 plus, a lot of the stuff can blend together because of the amount of games that they're putting there. Um, and when you start looking at the different combinations, I just want a high a high on base guy on the top. Uh, I want another guy who can manage the bat and do a lot of good things with the bat. Whether it's but see the those bo- are all but those ball. are all these are what those I want. are all cliches though, right? And like, these are what I want. <laughs> so like the leadoff hitter is a guy who can get on base and and maybe steal a base. Uh, the number two hitter can handle the bat, make contact, move over a runner. The number three hitter is your best hitter. The number four hitter has the most power. Like these are all like the typical cliches that have been in baseball since the Babe Ruth era. Yes. These are like the guys in Moneyball sitting around the table talking to Billy Bean. Like th- that's what these guys say. Right. And I like it. Right. And and I, but, I, I, but what, but what I want to talk me about. happy. I want to talk about what analytics uh, say is the optimal batting order. So there's uh, differing opinions and stuff, but the optimal batting order scores between five to 15 more runs over a season than the typical batting order. Typical does not mean worst. Typical is just average. So it's five to 15 more runs produced over a full season. That's a pretty big variation when you're talking about five runs and then 15 runs. Like when you're looking at percentages, that's a very large difference. I agree. Five five runs could be maybe one or two wins. 15 runs could be three or four wins. Like that's a big difference. 15 is three times five. So I mean, when when I have, (laughs) hold on, I got to carry carry That's like saying a hundred runs or a hundred runs or 300 runs. I mean, that's, that's a big difference. (laughs) But, um, if we're so, so a lot of, um, analytics people say the batting order, uh, the only thing that matters is is you should get your best hitter the most amount of at-bats, your second best hitter the second most at-bats, and so on. So using that, um, using that method, and I used uh, 2018 WRC Plus to just have one sort of all-encompassing run production metric. 
the Yankees' optimal batting order would have been Judge, Andujar, Hicks, Stanton, Didi, Glaber, Breck Gardner, Gary Sanchez, Neil Walker. I took out Voight and McCutcheon because they did not have enough plate appearances to qualify uh, for the Yankees on WRC+. If you want to throw them in there, they actually would have been towards the top of the lineup because in the short sample sizes, they had um, higher WRC pluses than some of, some of the other guys. But look at the top of that batting order. Judge and Duhar Hicks Stanton. I don't think if you asked any Yankees fan, they would come up with that top four leading, leading in that order. No, well, you'd see, right, that you'd see two of those guys in there, um, but you wouldn't see that order for sure. Maybe three of them if you're looking at Hicks as the leadoff, but you wouldn't see those guys in that order. But I mean, when you're looking at the, like, the production and what happened last year, it makes sense if we're, if we're looking at just the, the guys who have produced the most, uh, you know, that's, that's, that does make sense. Those were the best And the reason, the reason you, want, uh, you would do this is because you want your best hitter to get up most often. Like right. that, from a conceptual standpoint, that makes a lot of sense. I get that. My, and my you problem can only, is, go ahead. Go sorry. Ahead. No, you can only control like the, the argument against it is, well, um, you're guaranteeing your best hitter to bat with the bases empty every, every game to start the game. And that's true, but you can only control that one time. Right. You don't know who's going to be on base the next time he comes up. Most of the time he's not going to be the leadoff uh, guy. And, um, all the, else being the, the other side of that, though, is like if you have a really crappy seven, eight, nine, then your National League, of, it probably doesn't make sense, right? Your the chances of having someone. Nine. Yeah, well, even if it's just not a you have Brendan Ryan batting ninth, you have right. a, a guy, a defensive guy playing, you know, and, and he's batting at the, t- at the bottom of the order. Adini Hachavaria. Your, your <laughs> like, percentage. Well, yeah, well, he actually outperformed last year offensively, right, but okay. you have a much higher percentage chance of having nobody on base if you're the bottom of your order is shit. Whereas 100%. the Yankees have, and some if the Yankees hitters. have Aaron Hicks uh, hitting leadoff, and he's getting on base thirty six to thirty eight percent of the time, right. that means Aaron Judge is going to bat in the first inning thirty six to thirty eight percent of the time with a guy on base. Yes, so you could see more damage being done if you're loading up uh, high on base percentage guys at the top, and then loading them the the power guys behind them because of those percentages. Because if they were in the leadoff spot, yes, they're not going to be there with anybody on base. In the first inning, but the chances are also a lot higher that they will be on. Uh, they will be up with nobody on base because the guys at the bottom of the order are dog shit. <laughs> but they're not for the Yankees. But but they're not for the Yankees specifically. And it's a balancing act that you have to that the manager and the and it's not just Boone who's making the line. Do you agree with that? It's it's a lot of input from Cashman. And I think it's a collective the, team. The effort. nerd department. I think it's a team effort, but I think Boone has the final say. Okay, but it's a lot of balancing act between, you know, what do we want to trade off? Do we want to just get Aaron Judge the most at-bats, or do we want to put him in the most damaging um, spots, right? Do we want to get him the most opportunities to do the most damage? Right. We definitely want Aaron Judge up in the first inning. That's a fact. That's what we want. So you're not batting him fourth? Not batting him fourth. I want him up in the first inning. No doubt about it. So I think it's really two or three. I think two or three makes sense for the Yankees and Aaron Judge. Yes, and... That's why I want him in the, again, someone's got to win that two spot. That's the first and foremost. Um, but yeah, two, three, that's, that's where he should be. Like, ideally, again, I've said this a million times, but ideally if we see, you know, Glaber become the guy that I think he's going to be, I think Glaber, uh, Glaber Torres could be an absolutely beautiful number two guy. And if he could even Glaber- be a great number one. Well, if it's Glaber Torres in the first half of last year, I, I mean, I totally agree with you, but he... That's another thing that you, the, it's up to the manager. How is the guy performing right now? 
Right. And and you shift your lineup accordingly. Right. Don't get set in stone. That's 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 a good that's a good thing to have. Do not put yourself in a position where you have to put the same guy in the same lineup uh, slot every single time. Don't put yourself in that position. Make the expectations to the you know to a point where you, they realize that this is going to be a fluid situation and it's going to depend on the day, the pitcher, uh, the park we're in, what time of the game, what time the game is played, what we did the night before. All of these things are going to factor into what we're doing on a given basis. You will not be hitting in the same spot every day. I promise you that. That's what I would like. That's a good message. And if you look at Glaber Torres' first half, he had a 350 on base percentage and a 905 OPS. Awesome. Love and it. In the, in the second half, 329 on base percentage, 733 OPS. Right. Not as awesome. Right. We both agree. I think that we think that he was still had some lingering hip issues. And this all, like, we're looking at a guy like Glaber Torres. Um, again, another, another situation similar to what Severino learning my body, trying to figure out the best way to go throughout an entire season so that I can be productive from beginning to end. It's going to be a, it's going to be one of those situations where you have to figure it out. You can't just say, Oh, now I'm going to be just as good as I was, but I don't feel great. So what's, what's up? How am I supposed to do this? No, you got to train yourself. You got to feel your body out and then you got to make adjustments. And that's what these guys are going to do. That's all part of the continuation and, and, you know, evolution of a player. And the final thing I'll say in the lineup, and it's kind of just summarizing everything we've said, if you're the Yankees in 2019, you know how your team's going to be scoring runs. It's going to be with a lot of home runs. There's still going to be strikeouts. There's going to be home runs, but you want to maximize those home runs. So what do you do? You put on base percentage in front of those home run guys. I think that's, that's got to be overall the main concern who gets on base in front of Gary Sanchez, uh, Giancarlo Stanton and the other and and Aaron judge. That's what you need to be doing. I mean, that's, that's back to the, you know, standard way of thinking. So yeah, I like, I mean, it's, 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 it's standard, but it's also, I mean, it's, it's coupling the fact with get your best players, the most at bats and get your guys who get on base in front of them. Right. So, so a guy like Brandon LeMahieu, the Matthew, should be close to the top of the order. Like that's who's when you're Bre- who's Brendan LeMahieu or uh, <laughs> DJ LeMahieu. DJ, who is Brendan LeMahieu? Brendan, is he a hockey a, player? Brendan Ryan and DJ LeMahieu, love child. <laughs> when when I'm looking at uh, LeMahieu and Torres, like those are the two guys I'm circling for number two spot. Like they would be an ideal number two guy in my lineup. That's that's <clears> who I love, and, and this is assuming Torres can you know get back to uh, high OBP guy. Wow, we really nerded out there for a minute, huh? I just went along for the ride, man. <laughs> uh, Yankees were named AL Most Improved Team by Jason Stark's annual spring training preview in which he polled 30 managers, coaches, executives around the league. Um, Yankees showed up on 27 of the 30 results. Um, they were followed by the Twins, the Rays, the Angels, and the White Sox. But I just think this is ironic because a lot of Yankees fans out there say that the Yankees have had a failure of an offseason and it's because they did not sign Machado or Harper. Yet, uh, experts around the league say Yankees were most improved. You know, I think it's funny that we have a most improved team at this point when there's still (laughs) dozens of free agents, and the two best free agents are still sitting out there unsigned. So I think that uh, we can all take this with a grain of salt, but at the same time, you're looking at what other managers are saying that the Yankees have done well. And, and that's good, right? Like, I think the most attention has gone to the bullpen and what they've done in the bullpen. And 
I think some people would say, well, David Robertson was not, was on the team and now we're replacing him with another guy that had a great season last year, but it's a similar good bullpen. Um, there's just it's just a lot of unknowns out there. So I think Jason Stark needs to bump back his ratings a little bit. To uh, now now we have to adjust to the times. Well, he doesn't. It's not nobody's ratings. Signed. He needs to adjust his, his poll. When he releases this poll. But yeah. but let's look at the teams who are on that list: Twins, Rays, Angels, and White Sox. Only the White Sox have really been rumored for either of those two big free agents. So yeah. you're telling me if the White Sox sign one of those free agents that they would vault to the top of the list? I don't think so. No, but you just don't know. You just don't know. You don't know who's going to get them. You don't know who's going to go out and sign a, a guy like Keuchel. Who's going to get Kimbrel? Like, there's still big names out there that could be signed. And what if, if the, the what if what you know after you're looking at the White Sox and you know they're they're projecting to get at least one of those guys? Who knows if they get one of those guys? Maybe they just like okay. Now we now that we did get one of these guys, we got to go out and sign the pitcher as well. So the Twins were second on that list, and I'm kind of like. Who did, did they? I, did, maybe they're thinking of like you know Michael Pineda coming back. Nelson. Oh. Well, they, they they signed Nelson Cruz, which is a good signing. He's still that a is a good hitter. signing. Yes, they got a new manager, Rocco Baldelli, pride of Rhode Island. There you go. Yeah, a little Rhode Island factor. I love My, Rocco Baldelli. You're dismissing Michael Pineda, but that's fine. Who? Maybe maybe they all think that Pineda is is you know the the second coming. Like we is, all thought he might be. Is John Ryan? Don't call him J.R. Murphy. Still there? I don't think so. I think he's with. Um, he got traded somewhere else in the, in the National League. Maybe, or maybe San Diego, somewhere out there. San Diego. San Diego. He's All out right. there, out of sight, out of mind, but he's, <laughs> he's, he's somewhere else. So did the Yankees win that John Ryan Murphy for Aaron Hicks trade? Yeah, I think we won. I think <laughs> that that one is planted. I still think the jury's out on, on um, uh, Jesus Montero and Michael Pineda, though. Still... You know, I kind of want the guy that got into a fight with the with the cotton candy guy or the, or the, the ice cream guy. sandwich vendor. Yeah, like at least there was there was a little bit of definitive. We got floppy arms, Pineda though. That that gave us a lot of content. We we saw a guy that was you know peak frustration for Yankee fans, uh, and we'll probably throw a gem against them for the Twins this year. Zero doubt that he will do that. He will absolutely do that. All right, let's do some mailbags before we wrap it up. First one is from Setu Saha boy at dat dude stew on twitter severino makes one member of the core f- locked up who's next so i mean when you're looking you're looking at the core and dd is is the, i think the in- very interesting guy um because all incentive for him is to get back as fast as he possibly can at a at, you know maybe not too fast where he's not productive but he needs to get back on the field so that he can prove that he's healthy and be a part of this team when if Hopefully everything goes well, and he does that. Uh, I think Didi is an essential piece that they need to sign. I, um, so I, I took so I agree, but um, I took this question meaning the core of the younger guys who came up through the system, like Judge Sanchez. Uh, okay, so we're looking at just the young. Well, I mean, well, no, I mean, no. Didi is part of the core of the team. Didi is part I, of. I'm the not core. denying that. Um, and I do think that maybe we would have seen. You're an just extension. thinking home homegrown guys. Yeah, I would, but I think the Didi injury throws a wrench in maybe the Yankees would have approached him before this season for a contract extension. Yeah. It's but possible. I think there's a lot of unknown now with this, this uh, injury. I still think they're going to sign him, but they could use this as an advantage and maybe get a discount when what they could have already gotten. Uh, well, I think the, I think people realize what DD is now. I think they, everybody knows he's a plus plus defender and the guy has a lot more pop than anybody ever realized. And as long as he can come back healthy. And again, this is not one of those injuries that would hinder a guy uh, like Didi playing shortstop 
you know, offensively or even defensively, it should not hinder him going into the future. So, well, I mean, it is his throwing arm and he's, but his, what, yeah, one of but, his best attributes as a defender is his powerful arm. Yeah, I get that. And, you're, and he's still going to come back. You could, as a Tommy John guy, as a position player, you're still going to be able to come back and throw hard. You're not throwing the repetitions of a, of a, and max effort like a, um, like a pitcher. Anyway, the bottom line is they know what he is. And this, sh- when he's back, he should be back. Like it shouldn't affect the way that he plays. It's just a matter of mm-hmm. when he could come back and how that will play. Because now for his own free agency and for his own max dollars, you know, timing is of the essence. Like you got to get back and prove when that you are that same guy and you just have to show it. I don't think anybody doubts that he will and can be that same guy. This is, it's going to be interesting after the season because Betances, Hicks and Didi are all going to be free agents. Three yeah. members of the team that are extremely important to their success. No doubt. And I, uh, Hicks was a guy that I had in my off season plans as someone that they should uh, look at to extend this year as well. Um, but he's becoming such, you know, like it just keeps going. He just keeps raising the bar. I feel like every time he's been playing every year, he's gotten a little better. He's uh, stayed healthier. Like we've seen just progression from him. Um, so hopefully he can do that again. And he's going to put himself in a very good position. I think the next member, young member that came up through the system that will be signed is judge. It has to be judge. Both he and Sanchez are arbitration eligible in 2020, but I think we could see an extension with judge before that arbitration hearing. Is that because he's a generational talent? That is because he is... He's an institutional talent, actually. He, so so basically, it, when he goes into that arbitration hearing, all he has to do to win the case is show a picture of the right field stands with the friggin' judges' chambers. <laughs> On my first year uh, of a of full season, this is what you did for me. You put a section of the stadium. You but named I, a section of the stadium after me, and half of the stadium is filled with 99 jerseys. Pay me my money. Everybody understands what's going to happen with Aaron Judge at some point. He's going to sign with the Yankees. The Yankees have to sign him. And the reason being is because he is, he is, uh, as much as I hate the word, a generational slash institutional talent. Yankees don't let those institutional guys get away. They just don't. And he's the guy. And when you're looking at the guy of an era, it's Aaron Judge. Yeah, it's hard to project what he will be over the next 10 years. But if all goes how we think it's going to go, he is going to be talked about like we talk about Derek Jeter having owning the era and other guys owning the era of Yankees. Like that is our judge for this. To be fair, though, to be very, very, very fair, because this will be the final mark on him is championships. Jeter went out, won those championships. championships. But you look at it. You look Doesn't at a guy win. like you look at a guy like Mattingly. Mattingly is is a, a very loved Yankee. He was the captain, but he's not looked at the same as Derek Jeter. Derek Jeter went out there and won. If Mattingly won those championships, you know he would be escalated to an even higher level. He is was one of my favorite guy growing up. Uh, a lot of people who grew up watching you know that time frame absolutely loved Don Mattingly, and he was you know just the guy. But you got to win the championships to stay at that high level. That being said. Mattingly was a Yankee for his entire career as well. Like you see these guys who are, who are the guy for, for that decade or that era, they don't go away. The Yankees will bring them back. And Aaron judges that guy. We made this point earlier in the off season, but it'll be interesting to see what the Red Sox do with Mookie Betts because he just got $20 million uh, in his second year of arbitration. They settled before, but he's going to be in his third year of arbitration next year. I'll be curious to see if the Red Sox extend him and what, kind of contract they give him i think that could be a precursor to what we see judge and the yankees do 
right? Because it's going to be a ton of money. It's going to be a lot of guaranteed money to turn down if you're Aaron Judge. Knowing knowing how how big of a player you are and the way that history doesn't look back on like players of your size having super long careers. Um, you know, there are exceptions, but you, you got to take that into account at some point. Like you, if something were to go, uh, you know, were to get off with him as far as like an injury or something like that, it could drastically affect the way his career goes. Um, so I think that when he has that opportunity to take an insane amount of guaranteed money in the near future before he would hit free agency, I think he's going to do it. And I think it's going to be a massive contract. Do you think if uh, you think Randy Levine is already making notes about Aaron Judge's potential arbitration hearing, Dude, and, he, and he made even a note Randy about Levine, the, the no. New York, New York, and he's gonna he's gonna play <laughs> that video in the arbitration hearing? See, this is the type of guy where they can't they can't go against him though. Like, there's there's a certain guy you can go out and and you can assassinate a character. You can't do that against him. Oh, the fan the fans would would eat ownership you, alive. You if would they be destroyed. Start bad mouthing Judge. Because if you if you go if you go around and you're bad mouthing a guy like Aaron Judge, you're bad mouthing the New York Yankees now. Now you're bad mouthing the, the the institution because that's what he is. He's the face of the institution. So did the you, fact did, that you would go out there just and come do up that. with a new nickname for Judge the institution. The institution? I, 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 he is. You know, like there's those I guys. It. I don't hate it. It's pretty. It's he's a big dude. Institutions are pretty big. Okay, let's move on. Uh, next is from Connor Caspian. What should the Yankees do with Tanaka? They have him through 2020. When he hits free agency, he will be entering his age 32 season. Personally, I like the idea of offering him an extension after 2019 because of all the uncertainty with the starting pitching. In the playoffs, he has been uh, valuable, and the Yankees need more second-half pitchers like him. Who cares if he stinks in April and May? In the last two years, he has stunk in April and May. I did the breakdown, so... Uh, he's always been a second half pitcher, but it's really been pronounced the last two seasons in which he's combined for a 5.05 ERA in the first half and a 3.33 ERA in the second half. I mean, no doubt about it. He single-handedly ruined Derek Jeter Day. We've we've seen him go and and pitch in uh, in big moments in the first half, big moments I say, like on a big day uh, for for the institution, and not do so well. So. Uh, I, he's an interesting guy. Like I think Tanaka could age well as well as far as like uh, being a pitcher. The fact that he um, has good control of off-speed pitches, like I think that he will be a guy that can uh, that can pitch longer into and effectively into um, you know the the end of his career. It's all a matter of like it, he look. He's got he's got more. Uh, he's got more road on that arm. He's got more more work on that arm, I think, than a, a normal guy at his age because of all of the pitches that he threw in Japan. That will be a factor in a negotiation with him once he hits free agency, if he hits free agency. So, uh, But again, I think he could be an effective pitcher for, for a while, as long as his arm doesn't fall off. Yeah, I was I was thinking about Dallas Keuchel as a comp and what we're seeing happen with Keuchel right now still being a free agent. That's kind of where Tanaka is going to be when he's a free agent. Um, similar in age, similar in past performance, um, maybe some injury concerns because Tanaka does have those injury concerns. But one, one sort of ver- uh, variable here is that we could have a new CBA after Tanaka is a free agent. It could be a completely different landscape. So the, the market could be a lot better for him than it is for Keuchel right now. It could be better. It could be worse. It could be. It's just. I don't think it's gonna. I don't think it's gonna be worse. I don't. I don't think there would be an agreement if it's gonna be worse. Well, I mean, when you, but think about agreements now. Like the 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 things that they're gonna be bargaining are for getting guys paid earlier in their career. More more guys are gonna be getting more money earlier in their career. They're still. I still think so. Might veterans might suck for older players. Yeah. yeah, Well, I think that's that's the trend that's gonna continue to happen. We're seeing it now, but I still think that we're gonna see. 
you know, the owners and baseball not look well upon aging guys. I mean, it's just, it's baseball, Susan. Young, it's a young guy's game. When you start seeing older guys go out there, they're not getting paid as, as well. So uh, I still think it could be a, a troublesome time for an older pitcher. So Tanaka is going to make $22 million this year, $23 million in 2020. Do you, if you had to, what, what are your expectations for Tanaka this year? Are we going to see more of the career first half, second half splits where in his career he's at a 377 ERA in the first half, which is not bad, second half better, 332? Um, or are we going to see that sort of like Jekyll and Hyde, five ERA in the first half out of nowhere? You know, I, I mean, I expect if I'm walking in with this and, and seeing what Tanaka has done, I feel like we've seen some uh, of the second half improvements. I, I feel like he's, um, I, I expect, uh, let me cut the bullshit. I expect him to be a, uh, you know, a three to three, five ERA guy. That's where I, that's where I see him. I don't really have expectations different from, from him. So, so what the, the hell's going the on in the first half of the last two years? He's been a bad pitcher in the first half of, of these last two seasons. Yeah, I, it's it's tough to say. It really is. It's it's frustrating. It's definitely frustrating to watch, especially when the amount of home runs that he gives up. Um, but I we saw a better Tanaka first half last year than we did the year before. It was a five. It was a four five five ERA in the first half of last year. It was better than the previous year. The, but it the was year by before no means was atrocious. <laughs> the, the year, year before, before was was, was like okay. Atrocious. Did Tanaka forget how to pitch yeah. last year though? Four five ERA for for Tanaka is bad. That's a that's a full run, uh, more than a run worse than what he was in the second half. I don't know. I don't want to, I don't want to come out with the other cliche and blame it on, on things like weather and not getting into it. But yeah, maybe he's better when the well, warmer, remember all the, when the weather gets warmer. We did on how many, how, what percentage is he throwing his fastball and is he going to use his two seamer and like all this different yeah. stuff. And, and they were tinkering of, with him a lot. Like he was tinkering in the first they, half a little bit. They were, I mean, there's no doubt about it. He's, he still throws a, a, a you know, an insane amount uh, a lot more breaking stuff. I mean, the Yankees do in general. We know that Larry Rothschild likes to throw a lot of breaking balls. So, um, but yeah, when he's lo- when he's locating that fastball and showing it, uh, he's a, just a much more effective pitcher. That's that's a that's a fact. If and he can he locate had, that fastball, he's a better pitcher. And then he had the hammies. <laughs> the and then he had the hammies, hammies. Both of them. Yeah, two hammies. That's 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 a tough thing to you know pitch through, come back from. How do you know what to expect? All right, let's move on. Eric, you. Hey, Andrew and Scott, love the podcast. As always, keep up the great work. Two-part question. With Brett Gardner re-signed for another season and Frazier sniffing the left field's position, will we see him retire at the end of the year? Would the Yankees bring him back if he still has some game left? And the second part, will we see his digits retired by the organization? Um, so I put this question in here because last week we casually mentioned that we could see number 11 for Brett Gardner retired as a Yankee. He's been sort of the unofficial clubhouse leader through the last few years was on the 2009 world series team. But when you break it down and look at his organizational ranks, 25th in games played 31st in hits 34th in extra base hits 23rd in runs third in stolen bases. So he's in the top five and something and 10th in hit by pitch. Those are his best organizations. Who's number one in hit by pitch? Is Jacoby Osbury in his short time up there? He might be. That's catcher's interference. Um, oh, that's right. I it's, just looked at this. I, I actually think it was Jeter. Well, that makes a lot of sense, too. That uh, he, I mean, homeboy would lean over the plate quite a bit. The uh, Look, I, I think that history will look at Brett Gardner as one of the Yankees who is a consistent, like you said, clubhouse leader, a, a, a good guy. They may keep that number on the sideline for a while. I don't think they'll retire it, but I 
could see them not issuing it for a while. It's like one of those respect things. Like a Paul O'Neill type thing? Yes. But what's, that's, that's where but I see we, it. We've said that's dumb. If, if you're not going to issue it, just retire it. You know, it's, it's, it's just a courtesy. There's a lot of other, I mean, numbers are, are dwindling down now, but um, it may, it depends on the supply and demand, I guess, with the, the amount of numbers that are needed. Uh, and double digit. They're going to have to num- go to decimals. Well, double digit, you know, 99, 77. 11.5 like, will be issued at some point. These numbers are getting popular. Uh, but I just don't, he, he doesn't, if you want to, if you want to completely oversaturate the retired numbers thing, then, then do it. Okay. It's done. I, it's I, already been oversaturated. I know, but you're going to continue that trend. You can stop that trend. You can. Can you I, I like Brett Gardner. I, I think he's a great, he's, he's been a, a, an awesome player for a long time. I, I don't think he's a guy that gets his, his number retired as a New York Yankee. I love Brett Gardner. It's not a knock on Brett Gardner. It's right? not. Like, <laughs> you got to be, you should be an all-time great. When like part of it is what what have you done in the postseason? He won the he was on the 2009 World Series team, but he was he's by clutch, no means man. But he's but he clutch. Was, hold on, he was by no means a big part of that 2009 World Series team. Right. He was a platoon outfielder with Melky Cabrera. Right. Um, 2017, he had that extremely clutch at bat against Cody Allen in Game Five of the ALDS, the 12 pitch at bat. Like that moment sticks out to me as his postseason moment. Right. Well, I mean, I think that kind of captures who he is, right? He's a very, very good player, a, a, a great defender in one of the hardest left fields in baseball. And he sets up his other teammates for success. Like, I think that's one of the things that should be known about and remembered about Brett Gardner is that the man works the count against everybody. It doesn't matter who's on the mound. If you're a Cy Young candidate or if you're, you know, Joe Schmo that's coming up. And you haven't seen much of him. He works the count and does a very good service for everybody behind him. So Brett Gardner is a, a very good team player, has always been that guy, like you said, a, a leader amongst the, the guys in there, especially in this time when we have such a young team and guys coming up. Like I think he has played a very pivotal role on the transition of these guys into becoming major leaguers. So even even Frazier has talked about him being you know a guy that he can look up to, even though they're battling for a position. So I think he's a, a very important piece to this team. He's a great dude uh, and, and a very good Yankee. Should not get his number retired. And to the first part of the question, could we? is this the last year for Brett Gardner? A lot of it depends on what, what does Clint Frazier turn into. If Clint Frazier doesn't turn into the player we think he can, well, then they're going to be still stuck without a left fielder. I mean, it's a it's a year to year thing. It's just going to they're going to reassess Brett Gardner on a year to year basis at this point. That's just that's what it is and who he is. And they're, not only are they assessing him, but yeah, Frazier if he's doing well or you know whomever else is is in in the mix for another outfield spot, they're going to see what the situation is and what the landscape is of the current team, what the landscape is of the free agent market, and make a decision. But it's a year to year decision at this point. All right, let's. But move he's on also to- he's also talked about wanting to play for you know, a handful more years. Like he, I remember him talking about Does he want to play uh, for another team though? He said he wanted to play baseball for, for more, more than one more year. So do you think Brett Gardner potentially leaving, going to another organization, playing one, two, three years affects how he's looked at as a Yankee? Um, I think the fact that you're a career Yankee, uh, when you're looking at Yankee fans, it, it could a little bit, but not in the grand scheme of things. I don't think so. Before we move on to the last mailbag questions, quickly want to tease an episode that we're going to have later in the week. We're going to be joined by Dan Simborski. I might be butchering that last name. Got to ask him about how to say that. Uh, he's a Fangraphs writer. He does uh, Zips projections. Um, the Yankees are going to be releasing, or the Fangraphs is going to be releasing the Yankees projections on Tuesday. 
and we're going to have him on. Um, so look for that episode Wednesday. Um, hopefully uh, be some good stuff in there. All right. Final question. Beckett Yates question for the podcast. What do you guys think will be something that comes out of nowhere by a player? For example, Luke Voigt doing Luke Voigt last September or Gary hitting under 200. Thanks so much for the great uh, podcast and go Yankees. So basically this is asking what's going to be the biggest positive or negative surprise player of 2019. And, and I always think it's just easier to, it's hard to say positive, right? It's like who saw Luke Voigt coming? Well, I mean, if you're looking at one player that is, is a, you know, you could circle with a big fat marker as a guy that would be surprising you know, to a, to a certain extent, to a lot of people that could make a major contribution. It's Clint Frazier, like, because there's not very many positions that are, uh, you know, that are up for grabs at this point. And, and left field seems like it's one of those things because of the talent of Clint Frazier, because of the unknown of his health and what he could do. We all know what he can be and what we think he can be. So I think that could be one of those, one of those things, but you know, I mean, um, Beck is talking about, uh, Luke Voigt. I mean, we didn't know that Luke Voigt was a person until after he became a Yankee. Until know? August, and then yeah. he didn't even do well in August, and he didn't start really performing until late August, early September. So, I mean, that's a guy that was added to the team with a trade that for a guy like Chase and Shreve, like yep. of all people, that is probably one of the, the most random trades for a guy to come back and actually be as productive and, you know, and extremely productive. So I think the biggest unknown, if we're comparing to Luke Voigt, we don't know about yet because it may be uh, some random dude or just maybe a, a trade or maybe... Or somebody regains form. Like, what if Tommy Canely comes back okay, and pitches I got it. more? Okay, I got yeah. it. I know what it is. It's, I know the answer. There's an obvious answer. Jacoby Ellsbury. <laughs> no, his plantar yeah. fasciitis is too severe. No, but that's, the, that's the answer. The, big, the, biggest po- the biggest surprise, positive... Would, would that be, be positive? Would be Jacoby Ellsbury. I don't oh, think I'm that saying... would be positive because I think that the Yankees Yankees fans would rather just collect the insurance on Jacoby Ellsbury and have I don't... Him not even go near. I'm the not team talking all about year. the Yankees team. Nobody, nobody. We obviously we obviously don't care what the Yankees do with their money. Nobody cares if they collect the insurance or have to pay them. It's it's like that's not coming out of our pocket. And some people if have to... accused me for for like being the Yankees accountant uh, that I talk so much about the payroll and salaries of these guys. If Jacoby Ellsbury came back. We had some proof of life in Arizona. <laughs> he came back and did good things on the field. That would be the biggest surprise. No doubt. Hands down. Might be the biggest surprise in baseball history. <laughs> Comeback player of the year, Jacoby Ellsbury. Comeback so, player um, of the sport. Cannot confirm he is alive. He last tweeted on June 28th, 2018. Damn. Was that when they made a, when he made an appearance in Tampa and ruined the clubhouse? Uh, no, he's tweeting about uh, the um, national champion Oregon State Beavers being the national is. champs. Of course he is. His mind is always in the Pacific Northwest. Um, get your so head, get your head in the game, Jacoby. Get your head in the game. You don't like my Tommy Canely uh, projection? Maybe Tommy Canely comes back from the dead. Apparently, he was uh, pretty fat towards the end of last year. I think we saw uh, someone posted in our chat. He ballooned up to two fifty towards the end of the season. I just don't think it would surprise a ton of people. I think if he came back, it'd be like, okay, well, last year was just a, an anomaly more towards right. what he is. Um, so if we're looking for biggest surprises, but period. it's hard to find a guy on this roster. Like a lot of these guys, we can we know what we we can expect good things from. No, right? Like uh, it's I, easier to say I'd be more like Gary Sanchez hitting 180 last year was a huge surprise because we all thought he was going to be an all star. 
Okay. So then, okay. So there's two more. I mean, like there are. Greg Bird would be a huge surprise. No, nah, I, I, I've been calling that for three years now. This is not going to be a surprise to me. At this point, it would be a surprise. You, you, oh yeah, you expect it now. Now you, now you expect it. See, Greg Bird. When you least expect Greg Bird, oh, is, right. That's when he he comes. Like spring training. Like, but those. Did you expect Greg times. Bird to hit a home run? 400 feet off of Andrew Miller, lefty on lefty. Oh, Jesus Christ. No, no, you didn't. You like, didn't. Did you expect Greg Bird to come up in 2015 and be an offensive force when Mark Teixeira went down? No, yes, you didn't. because we all expected it because we, you know, we heard about him for, you know, the, everybody was raging about no, this guy Greg being the Bird best. Not, Greg the Bird best did hitter not the, have the. He's the, the best hitter in the Yankees organization. Bullshit. He did not have Sweetest the prospect. Swing. He did not have the prospect status that some other guys did. I mean, he absolutely had the lore still. They were all in love with this Greg the Bird lore? swing. The Greg yeah, Bird the minor lore. League I, didn't he Greg come up from, Bird I believe lore. he came up from Trenton. Am I right on I that? Think, I think you're right. But they love his swing. Sweet swing. I mean, we could, they were comparing him to all these greats with left-handed hits. Just easy, effortless. Right. He was, a, the ball. he was a hybrid between Ken Griffey Jr. and Barry Bonds. Jesus. From, a le- from the left. So, yes, at this point, if, if Greg Bird came out there and was effective and and played on this brittle bird bones, then yeah, that would be a surprise. That brittle would be bird a very big surprise. <laughs> brittle bird bones, I like that. Yeah, What's that called? Know, an, alli- an alliteration? Is that what that is? I don't know. I'm not that smart. All right. That's going to do it for this episode. Um, again, check out the episode midweek. I'm looking forward to talking to Dan. Scott, any final words? We got uh, We got some full workouts next week, too. So we got some... A lot of, well, lot of growing men throwing the ball to each though, other. Like, yeah, the position players are supposed to be reporting, I believe, Sunday or Monday as we're speaking, but they, they've been there for a long time. Like, a That's lot cool. of these guys have been there for weeks. Yeah, I feel like they had a competition under the table. Like, okay, you're going to show up on Monday? No, I'm going to be there on Tuesday the week before. Yeah. Oh, you're going to be there on Tuesday? I'm going to be there on Sunday the week before. Like, and it really, all... in, in, in reality, it probably means nothing, but optically, I like it. I like it. I like the fact that they're they're eager to get there and mm-hmm. they want to beat hungry, each other at being hungry there. to win. There's a all hunger. The, all the cliches. They're spending uh, time together. A tone, that's a good thing. Atone for losing to the Red Sox in the playoffs last year. Yeah, it's all great stuff. Yeah, spending more time with your guys is a positive. You know, bond. Get some bonding time in before all the all the uh, all the big stuff starts to happen. Get that bonding time in, boys. All right, we'll talk to you in a couple days. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, we'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review in iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. And go Yankees. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Mail checks, invoices, documents, and everything you need to keep your business running. Get rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS. And with the mobile app, you can take care of mailing on the go. Make the same no-brainer decisions as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.